Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Jokic! Not in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. Rainbow. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast. I'm Dave DeFore. Kendra Andrews. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am. You're very busy. Yeah, I'm tired, <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, extremely busy, yeah. which is great. Uh, everybody follow Kendra on Twitter and, uh, you know, do all that stuff. Follow her on the Athletic app, by the way, so you get alerts every time a new story about the Nuggets posts. Uh Speaking of stories about the Nuggets, here's <laughs> a segue. funny story. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> They're down 0-2. Yeah, yeah. Who would have guessed? <laughs> I have to tell you, when Anthony Davis hit that shot, I yelled. I'm staying. I'm, I'm at my boyfriend's house right now. I'm hanging out with him and his family, and I yelled so loud from the room that I was watching that game in that he came in to check on me because he thought I hit my head or something like that. Oh no! He was like, I heard this like really loud noise. I was like, Nope, just. Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, just Anthony Davis. I, I mean, first of all, incredible shot. Um, just no matter how he got open, he got open and he made the shot, right? So we can sit and we can dissect that play. And I know it's been dissected in the not even 24 hours since that play happened, uh, probably a million times, especially on Twitter. But uh, Anthony Davis, like – it takes guts to be able to take that shot and to make it like that. So, you know, tip your hat to him. But uh, let, let's let's look at what happened on that play just briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Mason Plumley being on the court. But I think it completely ignores that Nikola Jokic did a fantastic job of actually closing out to contest on that shot. It was inc- I mean, he did he, about as well as you could expect, right? I mean, he he got from the baseline of where he was defending Rajon Ronda, who was the one inbounding the ball, to the pretty much the top of the the three point line. He, Anthony Davis was kind of on that curvature of the side, but I mean, he got out to him in two strides, you know, and he mm-hmm. got a pretty good hand in Anthony Davis's face. That that's. He he made one yeah. last effort, and sometimes those shots go in. Well, Anthony Davis is a seven foot tall super athlete who's mm-hmm. got a really nice jump shot, and I know you know I, we've got friends that point out that uh, you know he's a thirty three percent or whatever three point shooter. I mean, I'm sorry, I just don't care. Like he's a good shooter, and he was open, and, and Jokic got there to contest, but it was late, and sometimes those guys just I mean guys make shots. I'm not going to sit here and hammer Plumley and, and Grant for for their miscommunication. Um, I don't think that that's worth it. I, I did appreciate that Murray did a great job of containing Danny Green, cutting the basket. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of positives on that play that you want to see. It, you just hate that you know they they stormed back from down 16, gave themselves a chance to win. Nikola Jokic hits this amazing game winner over Anthony Davis, and then you know the two seconds left and. AD hits the shot and it completely erases all the amazing stuff that happened in the lead up. Exactly. I mean, I've seen a lot of, of people saying and tweeting today, it's if if Anthony Davis had missed that shot, the conversation that would be going on today would be completely different. It would be about Nikola Jokic's heroics down. I mean, that was probably the best five minutes 
fan of basketball that I've ever seen him play. He scored 11 straight points for the Nuggets, including what you just mentioned, you know, two possible game-winning shots, one off of an air-balled three-pointer from Jamal Murray that Jokic just tipped up and into the basket, like over his own head, which was... He's the best tipper in the league. I mean, he just... He's got such great touch, and, and I mean, it's really incredible. And that one bounced around a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm still giving him credit for it because he's he's just got like he must have the softest hands. Probably, I mean, yeah. for how big of a guy he is, he probably just has, like you said, yeah. really got, like, just, controlled touch. <laughs> just he's got meat pillows for hands, you know, like, but, but you know, the bucket that he got on Anthony Davis. I mean, he got the ball on on like the on the wing and just immediately went directly into mm-hmm. Anthony Davis put him on his hip, drove him into the basket like he wasn't even there. And, and, you know, I mean, it was a great, it was a great bucket. It was a great post up. Anthony Davis even, I mean, he brought it up in the post game, talked about how great he was and like, wow, this guy's so strong. But sometimes you lose. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anthony Davis said, I let Jokic get to his right hand, which is a dominant hand. And he was like, I was pissed off at myself for that because I am a better defender. And what's crazy is that on the Lakers' last couple offensive possessions that ended up sealing the game, but, I mean, you talked about Jamal Murray containing Danny Green. The Nuggets got two really good stops before Anthony Davis got to take his shot, you know? I think it was uh, it was Caruso who took a three-pointer, and, and Michael Porter Jr. nearly got the offensive rebound, tipped it. Danny Green got it. Jamal Murray swatted his shot before he could really get it off. So, I mean, huge efforts from the Nuggets. Then, of course, that Nikola Jokic, you know, hand in AD's face that we just talked about, the effort was totally there. And luck of the draw for for the Lakers on that. And I think that's completely what it was. It was luck that they they yeah. won that game in the last few seconds. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's rough for the for the Nuggets to not get this one because how many bad second halves are you going to get out of LeBron James, right? Yeah. Like not many. He was two of nine in the second half, or two of eleven in the second half, like barely scored. Um, but Anthony Davis obviously was incredible; had twenty two points in the second half. But if you can have LeBron struggle that way, you can you can live with Anthony Davis getting his, and in particular. When you have Jokic and Murray doing what they did in the second half of this game. But, you know, you got to win it. And unfortunately, they didn't. So they're down 0-2. But I I guess the good takeaway is Jamal Murray can be successful against the Lakers. He was on the box score plus 16, but I counted plus 17 uh, on the game. He sat for three minutes and 46 seconds. They they were uh, outscored 19-2 to while he sat. They committed four turnovers. Uh, you know, numerous fouls, putting guys at the free throw line. And it just it just really demonstrates how important Jamal Murray at the point of attack is for this offense and not just for himself. And again, mm-hmm. he had 25 points, but he was two of nine from three. But the threat of Jamal Murray opens up stuff for everybody else, including Jokic. That's what we saw down the stretch. Exactly. And it, it, it's this is a, a new progression, I feel like, that we've been, what we've been seeing from Jamal Murray and the respect that opposing defenses are giving him because I I think they now understand just watching you know that Utah series, what happens when he gets hot. So you do not want Jamal Murray to get hot because, yes, okay, we know that he can be a streaky shooter, but when he catches fire – he can drop 50 on you 
multiple times in in seven games. They do not want that. And so I think it it also told me, one, yes, how important Jamal Murray is to this offense and how people are now respecting that. And two, I mean, it also showed me how much work the Nuggets bench needs to do this series that they have failed to do so far. And I mean, okay, if you are going to play your starting point guard for 45 minutes of this game, you would think that their bench, which has good players, Monte Morris is really good, Paul Millsap is a seasoned vet, Jeremy Grant's good, Gary Harris is good, Michael Porter Jr. is good. You think that you could sit your starting point guard for three minutes for a game and not get assaulted the way that the Nuggets did. And I mean, that to me, heading into game three, that is what I am most concerned about for this Nuggets team, because now it's not just a one-off where the Nuggets bench has struggled. They've really had to play Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and the bench needs to do more if they want a shot of beating the Lakers. I think those two guys are 48 minutes from here on out. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't afford to rest them. You're going to, they're going to have to, you know, Mike Malone's pretty good using his timeouts. He's just going to have to time them right and, and get these guys rest. Maybe you can sneak them out, uh, you know, 30 seconds, a minute before the quarter break and add an extra little bit of rest. But um, they're in the 48 minute zone. And, and you mentioned Monty Morris. I mean, the guy is very, very good coming off the bench, super solid, but he doesn't elicit the same type of fear. So he's not opening up things for the rest of the team. And you know who did? Surprisingly, PJ Dozier. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who the hell is this guy? Who does he think he is? I, I mean, like he closed like the game. Flex. And he flexed. Yeah. <laughs> who is this kid? I, I mean, they kind of stumbled into something here. Like his physicality really seemed to bother the Lakers. And I wonder if we're going to see more P.J. Dozier. Like they, the Nuggets kind of needed that. Oh, 100%. And I mean, the, the, the thing from just a physical standpoint, P.J. Dozier is a bigger guard, which I mean, after, yeah, after playing Monte Morris, who is a pretty small guard, then you're confronted with a six foot seven. I think P.J. Dozier is okay. That's very different than the six foot four Monte Morris is. And then also, I just think that the Nuggets have been able to get these rookies to buy into this plan that they have for him. Okay, you're going to go in for a couple minutes, but you are going to do the nitty gritty work. You're going to stand there and let LeBron James just barrel you over. And they're like, okay, I'm yeah. down. <laughs> Why well, he, not? <laughs> he got PJ Dozier was getting superstar calls. I mean, he drew he a charge on LeBron, which, you know, Poor, poor Jer- Jeremy Grant couldn't get a charge call in the series <laughs> to save his life. And then he gets a foul call that where he was definitely not fouled. And, and it was just like, who is this kid? I mean, I, he's going to be the next the next great superstar, I'm guessing. But uh, if, if I'm Mike Malone, the, the, when I'm looking at the box score, just immediately the things that jump out to me are clearly Jamal's plus 16, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to figure out how do you survive those minutes when he's not on the court. Um, but – 35% offensive rebounding rate for the Lakers. I mean, they had 13 mm-hmm. offensive rebounds in this game. And you just can't, like, when you're struggling to score without your best player on the court, you cannot give up second-chance opportunities. It, like, their defense was really good in this game, but you give up the second-chance opportunities, and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter because you're just you're kind of stuck in mud to a certain degree. Right. And, and it's hard to explain why they allowed – 
the Lakers to to get so many offensive rebounds, right? Because I feel like in the past the Nuggets are a team who have really harped on that and and you know, they guys like Michael Porter Jr. it's like, "Okay, you are the rebounding machine." Like that's that's your job, but they they weren't playing with a physicality level under the basket to be competitive in those opportunities. It's, it's and it's like they, they didn't want to get called on them for for battling down in the paint because obviously fouls were a huge issue in, in game one. So was it like, was it too much correcting of, well, we don't want to get fouls, but now we're giving up so many offensive rebounds that it's, 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 you got to do something. Right. It's, it's yeah. weird. You almost would rather foul than just give up the putback, you know? And, right. and I, I mean, Jokic is such a great rebounder. I mean, he only wound up with six rebounds in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, yeah. You know, Millsap had eight. Porter with four off the bench, which I know Mike Malone, pro- that's probably the first thing he looked at, to be honest with you. Um, but, like, the rebounding has to improve. And even though they created turnovers, mm-hmm. you know, for the Lakers, I mean, they had 12 steals in this game. That's just insane. They still turn the ball over like crazy. 19 turnovers the first half in this game. You know, I mentioned these guys were playing tight. I didn't exactly say it that way, but (laughs) it was what I meant. And, you know, they were playing really tight. Like, they were nervous. They were fumbling the ball. They were throwing the ball away. And this was in the, you know, second quarter. Mm -hmm. And it it occurred to me that that these guys really, like – they they do take a while to get going. I mean, we've seen them already with all these comebacks, the third quarter comeback. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they get settled. During halftime, I don't know what Mike Malone's doing in that locker room, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the third quarter has been their their calling card since the first series, really. And yeah, I mean, it is it is just really interesting how it takes them that long, and it's really troublesome now because obviously the Lakers are a team that get out and run and are ready to go from the tip, and a big difference between the Lakers and the Clippers who the Nuggets were able to come back from three double digit deficits, you know, in the third quarter is that it was like the perfect combination for the Nuggets because they hit their stride in that third quarter. And that just coincided with when the Clippers were kind of backing off a little bit. And so they can make that punch, but the Clippers aren't doing that. I mean, sorry, the Lakers aren't doing that now. Um, so the Nuggets need to figure out how to like speed up their warm-up process and, and not take right. to the third quarter because we've we I mean, we saw it in game two, you know. S- sometimes those third quarter comebacks aren't gonna do the trick. And it, and it didn't last night. You can't count on your third quarter beastly plays and the runs that you go on in the third to save the game for you because it'll work sometimes. And sometimes the other team will pull a trick out of the hat and not even a trick. We'll pull a shot out. Or just get and, hot. And- yeah, I was going to say, just get hot. You know, uh, relying on your ability to come back is not good winning, sustainable winning no. basketball. No. I mean, I, certainly like they're a little bit of a disadvantage here because LeBron and AD are so good. And, and those role players have been fantastic for the Lakers. I mean, Rondo has been has been awesome. He had nine assists in that game. Dwight Howard is plus 24 so far for the series. And now he's he's fouled a ton, but like clearly he's affecting the game and and I actually think he's affecting the game more on the offensive end. His threat as a vertical spacer coming out of the dunker spot has been huge for them because it doesn't allow the help to come up. When LeBron goes to drive, you know you always have to hang back and worry about that lob. And so, you know, the Lakers have played really, really good basketball against the Nuggets. 
the Nuggets have to figure out a way to stop this stuff. And, and, and you know, it's tricky. The Lakers have been the best team in the West all year. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the Nuggets don't stop them because the Lakers are really good. And and that's the thing. And, and, and kind of looking forward, it's it's almost like there's there's some little things that the Nuggets need to do, right, to kind of pull it all together. But what does that look like in terms of preparation and stuff? Is it I, – I can't say that it's time – I mean, it might be. It could go either way that it's time to make a starting lineup change. Is that what needs to happen or is that jumping ahead of yourself? Is it – you know, is, do you just do more of the same that you did in game two because you were right there, but maybe just need a little extra, you know? So the adjustments that the Nuggets need to make, I feel aren't, it's not an overhaul of, I think it was a little bit after game one because they got really cooked in game one, but coming off of game two, it's a little less obvious kind of in, in some of the areas and, and what they need to do to, to stop or slow down this Lakers team. Well, I guess let's look ahead to game three. Um, any big changes on the horizon? I, I know that they didn't practice uh, mm-hmm. today. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if there's any reporting, but you know, I wonder, are we going to see more PJ Dozier? Did anybody say anything about that? I, I think that we could see more PJ Dozier because Michael Malone is a coach that when something works, especially a change, he's going to, go for it. And he's not going to let the fact that that was PJ Dozier's first, you know, big real playoff stint get in that, get in the way of playing him more minutes, right? You know, he's not going to let his inexperience get in the way of that because he showed up and he played better than some of his more veteran players did. So why would that stop Malone from, from playing PJ Dozier more? I think that that's something that is, you know, definitely a possibility. What makes it more of a possibility is that Malone even said that Monte Morris tweaked his ankle a little bit, which is why they ended up playing PJ Dozier so much down the stretch. And then he ended up just playing really well. So depending on what Monte Morris's ankle is looking like, he could be even higher up in the rotation and it won't wait till the fourth quarter to get him in there, especially if they need a boost in physicality. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, I, think, I mean, having a big guard, it's such a luxury, you know, especially against such a big L.A. team with so much length. They want to try and compete with the length that, that they have. I think, you know, it doesn't look like Will Barton will be coming back for this series. So he's obviously a guy who adds some some spark and some physicality. So if you can get that from someone else, go go for it. Right. Go with it. Yeah. Uh, what about Porter? Do you, do you see him uh, potentially cracking the starting lineup? I don't think it's going to happen. I think he got there with Millsap and Millsap mm-hmm. was OK in the game in game two. Um, you know, I've posited the idea that leaning more into their offense, you know, giving Jokic and Murray another guy who can score mm-hmm. might really help him out. And to be honest with you, he's a good enough athlete that like I would have had him probably out there chasing down Anthony Davis on that last play. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't think he'll put Porter in the starting lineup either. I it could happen. I'm not saying it's not going to, but I I don't really see it. I think if he's left Paul Millsap in the starting lineup thus far, I I I don't know. I just think it's, he's going to ride with him. Yeah, it's yeah. going <laughs> to ride with him for the rest of this. You know, it just doesn't really make sense because Paul Millsap. This isn't the first time that Paul Millsap has struggled in in these playoffs. So it's kind of like okay, what's the difference between now and a couple games ago, right? But I mean, I think Michael Porter is going to be 
big in, in down in these last couple of games. Like, like you said, his offense is huge and him, Nicole, him and Nicole Jokic, them two just in general have a, a great relationship and chemistry on the court. I think having Jamal Murray out for the first four seeding games really helped establish the chemistry that Nikola Jokic and MPJ have together. And then now that he's been playing with Jamal, they're learning how to coexist on the court together. And it's, we've learned that it can work. You know, there was some questions or concerns about, you know, who's going to take the shot and whatnot, but they've proven that it can work. And, you know, Michael Porter is going to have to be the guy to be their their third scorer. And so I think he's going to continue to, you know, get significant minutes. I think he's going to be a guy that Malone does keep in in crunch time minutes in the fourth quarter. And Michael Porter Jr.'s defense has also improved. You mentioned him, you know, trailing down Anthony Davis. And I think that he's proven that he can do that. You know, of course, he's more to improve on. But... He's, I don't think he's as big of a liability or as much of a concern as he was earlier in the bubble. Well, and he's been in there at those end of third quarter lineups that have Mm -hmm. been sparking these comebacks. I mean, so, I mean, clearly he's got a spot in the rotation. Like that's not not in question, but it's just 20 minutes last night. I wonder if, you know, down the stretch, if he doesn't get a little bit more burn if guys like Paul Millsap and Monte Morris and Gary Harris are struggling to shoot. I mean, we saw Dozier getting a shot, made the most of it. I, I wonder if in game three, if they are struggling with those guys shooting, maybe we get some more Michael Porter Jr. And you just live with the potential for the defensive mistakes. I mean, you got to do something, right? Like you got to right. take a swing at some point. You can't just counterpunch, which is no. what they've been doing all playoffs. Um, but I think they've got the blueprint to actually beat LA. I don't think that they've got the horses to win the race, but they should be able to make this. I mean, that game was extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. I think they can make the rest of this series very competitive too. I agree. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in game one throughout, you know, no matter how many games this series ends up going to, I don't think we're going to see them just completely out of sorts as they were in game one. I agree that it should, it should be competitive to the end now. Well, uh, I guess we're going to wait and see what happens. Uh, game three is going to be Tuesday night. Game four will be Thursday and then we'll record Friday where hopefully we're talking about a game five. You know, if they're down three, listen, if they're down three, one, Mm -hmm. I am putting every dollar I (laughs) I have in the bank on the Nuggets coming back and making the finals. That there you go. Not that not actually happening. I'm not I'm not going to do that. uh, (laughs) You want to give a prediction? Are they going to split the next two? They're going to win the next two. You know, I. I think that they can win game three, you know, I, I and I think they they need to. I think if they don't win game three, it's a sweep for the Lakers. Um, if, if the Lakers win game three, I don't see the Nuggets winning that game four. But I do think that coming off of game two, the Nuggets have, they have the right pieces. They have the right ideas, as you were saying. It's just about the bandwidth to, to make it go for as long as possible and, and avoid those, those slower starts. So now they're chasing up at the third. So I think they have, they have the ability. It's just if they can execute and pull it off. Well, let's hope. It'll definitely be a lot more fun that way. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back at the end of the week for Kendra. I'm Dave DeFore, and uh, we'll talk to you then. 